You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Welcome to uh, episode four of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm Ben Sternke, one of the co-founders of Gravity Leadership. And um, if this is the first episode that you are listening to of our podcast, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to uh, the others. This being episode four, there are three other episodes uh, that you could listen to. Our first episode is a little bit of our stories, a little bit of why we started Gravity Leadership, and a little bit why we're podcasting. Um, and then the uh, the next two episodes are uh, talking about two of our Uh, missional theology axioms, and um, we talk a little bit about what we mean by that in those episodes, but these are the axioms we use in our coaching. Um, If you're curious about that, you can go to gravityleadership.com slash coaching, Um, and it's it's kind of the foundational assumptions that we start with uh, when we start with our coaching, and these these developed as we coached people. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, The first axiom was God is always present and at work. That was episode two. The second axiom on episode three was God, the God who is always present and at work is just like Jesus. And today, we're going to talk about our third axiom, which is... A bird in the hand is worth two (laughs) in the bush. (laughs) We decided to change it, and uh, we we thought we'd go with... uh, No, that's not our third axiom. Our third axiom is that God meets us in reality, and... and again, these axioms oftentimes feel a little bit anticlimactic, right? Like, I'm going to get this new truth that I've never heard before, and then I hear it, and I'm like, oh, wait, 
well, of course he does. Where else would he meet us? But uh, there are reasons, right, that these axioms emerged for us as important uh, statements about that we can carry around that help us access uh, these realities of uh, of leading on mission, of of being present to what God is doing uh, in our lives. A previous version of this axiom said, "God is so real that He only meets us where we really are." And uh, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, I'm here with Matt Tebby and with Ben Hardman out in Atlanta. What's up, guys? Hey, Ben. What up? Hey, Matt. Hey. And uh, let's let's talk about this axiom a little bit, Matt. Why don't you uh, start for us? Where where did this? Why do we? Why is this important to to say? Where did this come from? Yeah. So the axiom, just as I want to be clear, it's not it has nothing to do with birds and bushes. <laughs> it uh, God is so real; He most fully meets us right where we really are. Uh, it emerged for me because I, I think, uh, like most people who come come to know Jesus and see the beauty and the goodness of the Christian life. I wanted to take my Christian life seriously, and I wanted to be like ruthless or radical in following Jesus, eradicating sin, living a holy life, uh, loving people. And and what I noticed over time, I guess this would probably be like, you know, good, getting into my second decade as a Christian, was that I was increasingly not demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, so, <laughs> so what that means is I, I was increasingly um, a little more harsh, a little more brittle, a little less patient, and, and I was noticing it with myself, that I was getting more and more fed up with myself and more and more like in frustrated and disappointed and even disgusted mm-hmm. with myself and my own failures, lack, uh, the things that I, I wish I was better at. Yeah. And uh, what I what I came to what I came to identify is that I had developed a what I would call a neurotic conscience. So if the Holy Spirit is our advocate and He brings conviction of our life, He He tells us, you know, this is sin, this is righteousness. Um, I, I think that my conscience was uh, less of conviction and more of like a toxic condemnation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So so that I was I was I was convicted, but I was more than convicted. I was sort of contemptuously condemning myself for my sin. And in fact, had convinced myself that that was the, the, the most faithful pathway into repentance was to ramp up and, and heap up like the condemnation, the contempt, the disgust about my own behavior on myself. And so somehow that would, you know, if I buried myself under the mountain of my own uh, junk, Mm-hmm. <laughs> right in my conscience, that I would propel myself into a life of love. Guess what, fellas? I think I think we know where this is going. <laughs> it did not work. It worked perfectly. <laughs> it was. I owe the man I am today to shame. <laughs> no, it didn't work. So, like, I, I realized that I spent a lot of time uh, shooting on myself, like telling myself, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, or I should be better, or rationalizing or justifying where I was at. Um, explaining away uh, little sins, explaining away big sins, uh, breaking down and, and getting lost in my own uh, you know junk. Uh, and w- what occurred to me was I seldom just acknowledged and admitted who I was, where I was, and trusted that God was waiting to meet me right there. And I think it was re- through reading and meditating on the Gospels, I noticed how Jesus was ruthless about helping people own and name where they were at. 
through questions and stories and other things. Mm. So for me, this this axiom is important because it reminds me that God isn't waiting for me to get to a certain level of holiness or righteousness or 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 asking me to ramp up my own self-contempt and self-loathing so that he will work on my life, but rather he uh, he meets me right where I really am. Yeah. Right? And right there, he's accepting me, loving me, giving me grace, yeah. right? And that's not second best, is what you're saying. Like, that's, uh, it occurred to me as you were talking that, like, the, the mindset, the unspoken assumption behind assuming that I can condemn myself into holiness is like, okay, God, thanks for the Holy Spirit. Thanks for this conviction of sin, but it's not enough. I need something more to really go there, right? Yeah. And so it's not that God sort of acquiesces and says, okay, fine, I'll meet you in reality. It's, it's that that's the only place God can actually meet us, because it's the only place we actually are. Yeah, and the condemnation was, I was not letting myself be where I really was. Right. Yes. Right. I, I couldn't key. reckon. I couldn't reckon with where I really was at because I was too embarrassed, too ashamed, too, um, you know, just wanted to reject that. Yeah. Wanted to reject where I was. Right. And the condemnation is part of that. Right. It's it's the condemnation is you saying, uh, I can't be this way, and so I have to find a way to not be this way before I enter into God's presence. Before I invite yeah. Him into this. And God is standing in the center of my of my junk and he's saying when you get done trying to not be where you're at I'm I'm here waiting (laughs) for you like I'm waiting for you I'm riding in the dirt right I you like like I'm most present to you face down in the in the pig food like that's where I am that's where I am yes and that was a transformational for me and it continues to be transformational for me because I continue to learn how to uh, how to have the grace to own and reckon with where I really am. Yes. Yeah. So what, is, what does it sound like? It, how, would, how would somebody know if they have a neurotic conscience? Um, what does it sound like when I, when I encounter sin uh, in my life or something that I perceive is, is not right? What does it sound like when somebody doesn't want to live where they're really at, when somebody is doing that? One of the things that I noticed is that, uh, that we people that I coach in our coaching cohorts, and this is um, nothing as sees them except for what is common to everyone, I think, is that we should on ourselves. Mm. You know, we spend a lot of time shooting on ourselves, telling ourselves that we should be this or should be that, or I know this, so they can't really name where they're at, they have to preface it with, I know this sounds bad, but, right. or uh, this this sounds ridiculous, but, right? Yeah, or, I, I don't know, really believe this. I know better, but, like, there's yeah. always this, there's, there's this, um, this sort of shame, self-shaming kind of acknowledgement that this is ridiculous and I can't believe this is true. Right. Like we're scandalized by the reality of what we think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. so we have to sort of uh, apologize for it as we're sharing it. That's that's yeah. one that's one tell about it. Yeah. Uh, another tell about it is all the ways that we numb and distract and dodge and hide and uh, avoid, evade reality. So, so uh, I remember, I remember... Uh, in seminary, feeling like I couldn't deal with some of my anger issues. And I remember thinking, I know what'll fix this. I'll just start reading more scripture. And I had this right. moment reading uh, somewhere in the Old Testament. I don't remember what it was. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of parts of the Old Testament that are not memorable, right? Like the right. first 12 chapters of First Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the I'm numbers. reading something in the Old Testament, and I and I and it was like this lucidity, this this 
light broke through the clouds of like, you are avoiding me by reading scripture right now. That was God speaking. Yes, to yeah. I'm waiting to meet you in your angry place, mm-hmm. but you're using my word to sort of duct tape me out of your life. Like yeah. you're duct taping the cracks of where I'm trying to I'm trying to get into where you're at, and you're escaping my presence by reading scripture. Yeah. And yeah. So, it's as if we want to chip along the edges of what's really happening without ever getting to what's real. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah, I'd rather. So another another way is like, how do I avoid how do I avoid reckoning with reality? And and if you're a good Christian boy, and I and I I have been a good Christian boy. Me too. Yep. Yeah. You Hardman. Sometimes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so there's a way in which we avoid God, like we use God to avoid God. Right. Yeah. You know, we're not going to go gamble away our life savings no. or um or or you know open a uh ooh, open a poker. A poker bar where they play cards. You, you clearly, yeah, you clearly wouldn't ever do that. Ever, you don't even know what's called. Ever a poker. <laughs> Open a poker bar. A, well, po- your a place where they play canasta. <laughs> right, like, right. They use those pictures. Games of chance. Games of chance. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do that because I'm a you know I'm a Christian, so I'm going to pers- I'm going to do Christian things. Right. I'm going to turn on. I'm going to turn on Christian radio. I'm going to start a Bible study. I'm going to listen to their sermon. Mm-hmm. But I realized a lot of those things were mechanisms whereby I avoided being present yes. to who I was, where I was, yes. and what, where God was actually waiting to meet me. Yeah. Yes. So good, Matt. Yeah. One of the perennial dangers of being in ministry is that we can convince ourselves just by sort of doing the stuff of ministry that we are close to God, that we're walking with God, that we're growing in our faith, that we're actually doing, doing this kind of stuff. Ben? Yeah. That's rubbish. <laughs> it can be. It can be rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Hardman, um, talk a little bit about how this uh, works itself out in in your life, and in uh, specifically in sort of, um, you know, Matt talked a little bit about the the personal aspect of this of me being present to where I'm at personally. Um, how does this this axiom work itself out in our leadership uh, and kind of leading others and and in our churches and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's. That's a good question. So I, I feel like uh, the big thing that this does for me is it does help me be present in my own life. So yeah. narrating some of those things of God doesn't love a future version of me more than he loves me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is not a God is waiting for me to arrive at a specific place. And at that point, his presence is going to show up and then he's going to move and work in my life. Yeah, that's good. Ben. And so, that's really good. so there's a lot of, uh, uh, there, you know, our axioms build on each other here. And, and, and they're foundational. So understanding that God is always present and at work is really powerful in God meets me in reality. Right. Uh, so be, God is always present and at work, whether I'm getting it right or not, God is present and at work and wants to meet me where I am, which is really significant for me personally and also corporately in the way that I lead. So what I recognize in a lot of different leaders, and I recognize this in coaching, but even more in consulting when we spend time with church staffs and church teams is we can live either in the past or in the present. Uh, so we can live in a way that is nostalgic, uh, that kind of allows us to stay stuck in a moment of what's happened in the past, or we can live in the present, which allows us to stay philosophical about everything. Hmm. So the, living in the past allows us to kind of have a back then theology of like back then everything yeah. was great, back then everything was happening. Living in the present or in the future allows us to have a win then. So when this happens, 
then God's going to do this. Yeah. Uh, and so for me as a leader, I'm super apostolic. I'm super entrepreneurial. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I get giddy about ideas, right? Yeah. So, so I can live in the future and, and I can live in a place that doesn't allow me to reckon with what's actually happening in my ministry and in my church because I'm five steps ahead and I'm dreaming about, well, when we yes. have yeah. 300 people show up, when we've got 500 yeah. people show up, when we, you know, right. when we build that new building, when we've got this, then the presence of God yeah. is going to show up. And it's at that point that the Spirit's going to work and amazing things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And because th those pictures are prettier oftentimes, right? Than, than the picture of what's actually happening. So it's easy they're, to kind of live there. They're prettier and it, and, and it allows me not to deal with what's really happening. Yeah. yeah. It allows me to stay in this place. And this is why I think sometimes strategic planning and developing my kind of five-year plan uh, allows us to not actually deal with where we're going. So we, we want to set a destination but we never deal with the road that's actually going to get us to that destination. Yeah, yeah, or the fact that we we you know we're in a swamp right now, and and the then the truck has, break, has broken down, you know, or, or whatever the situation <laughs> is. So what are um like both of you guys? What um what are some reasons we don't like? You guys have both narrated like this. You don't want to live in the. We have this proclivity not to want to live in the present. We don't want to be present oftentimes to what's actually happening uh, in our lives. Why is that? Uh, why why do we struggle with this one so much? Well, reality has this um, aspect to it that it's really hard to control, mm. and we're control freaks. So you know, I, I I'm not as apostolic as Hardman is, but when I get living into sort of the future, when I future cast, you know, we have these little time machines in our brains, and we can always be in the past or the future, and we don't have to be here. But like in in abstractions, we can control what's happening. Ideas yeah. we can control them. We can, we can, uh, we can sort of manipulate and manage them, and we can forecast in a way that says, you know, it's going to be just the way I want it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or <laughs> at even, least for me. Yeah. Or even in the negative as well. Like worry is a form of living in the future, but in a negative way. Right. It's a way of, it's a way of trying to control the future. Right, so there's like vision casting, which is it's, here's how things are going to be. It's going to be awesome, and then there's worry, which is I better I better batten down the hatches because things will probably be terrible, and I need to do something about it. Yeah. So control is a big issue. We can't yeah. control what's happening in the present, oftentimes. Yep. And, and I, I would say living in that space also allows me to never actually look at my real self. Mm. So it, it it never it never causes me to radically accept where I am which means the stuff that's going on inside my heart, the real stuff, right? The beneath the surface stuff, yeah. the, the, the stop chipping along the edges, but get to what's really happening stuff never comes into the light and it can never be dealt with. Yeah. It's never brought out to the surface. So there is a reckoning with ourself that has to happen when we trust that God meets us in reality, because we've got to deal with our own reality and we don't mm. want to do that. We would rather perceive ourselves. We are, we're always the good guy in our own story, right? Mm, yeah. We're always the hero of our own story. So, so for me, like uh, I'm an Ohio state fan. I'm, I'm a Buckeye. I'm from Ohio. And as a fan of your team, you always have a narrative where your team is always the good guy, right? <laughs> it's true. So if a guy from my team gets a DUI, it's like, oh man, poor kid. 
Yeah. You know, he just made a bad choice. He's the greatest kid in the world, but he made this poor choice. If a guy from our rival team, I won't mention who they are, <laughs> but if a guy from that team gets a DUI, they're the worst kid in history, right? right. They recruit these terrible right. kids. It's a reflection of the whole program. Yeah. yeah, we create yeah. these narratives where we're always the good guy. We do the same thing in our own lives. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and this gets back to, like, uh, Matt, what you were talking about, that basically toxic shame. The reason we don't want to be present to where we're at is we, we carry around, and almost all of us have this, we carry around this toxic shame that said that we're afraid that if we own where we're really at, if people see us where we're really at, if God sees us where we're really at, we're going to be condemned we're going to be rejected, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is this is archetypally our issue, right? When God comes to Adam and Eve, they are hiding from him and each other, Yeah, and then they refuse to reckon with what they've done. They, they refuse to meet God in reality. They just start blaming right. and hiding, right, and dodging. They don't even, like, directly deal with what's actually happened. Yeah. You know, imagine what would have happened if Eve said, I done messed up, Yahweh. And Adam was like, yeah, I, it's, at, it's at least as much my fault as it is hers. That would have been interesting. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> Guys, I got a new idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's a sense in which we're only doing what comes to us. We come by this honestly. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, one of the fundamental issues with salvation is, like we said this in a uh, podcast previous, the salvation is learning to be at home with a God who is present. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense, like if salvation is 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 being the, the temple connected in relationship with each other where God's presence dwells, like that, that, that destruction or death or even hell would be not being able to be present. Yes. Like a lack of presence, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're not able to actually be uh, awake, sober-minded, yeah. uh, attentive, aware, attuned into reality because we're too busy checking out or hiding or yeah. dodging what's actually happening. Yep. Right. So, yep. so there's a picture in the New Jerusalem of of God dwelling with man, and I think there's like full of God's presence and full of human presence being present to the God presence. Right. And so the dwelling of God being with man means that not just like, hey, God lives next door. He's one of the best neighbors ever. Right. He's go always got sugar I want. when yeah. I can need it. You know, yeah. uh, he lets me borrow his lawnmower. No, but there's a sense in which, like, we, we are fully present to each other. We're giving and receiving in mutuality, and mm-hmm. I think that it makes sense then that we would struggle so much with that because that's that's the consequence. Maybe even we could say, like, that's the uh, fruit of sin and death in the world. Yes. Right. Right. Archetypally, that's the fruit. Is this disconnection? from what's real, the presence uh, that we have with God and with one another. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she did it, Snake did it, am I my brother's keeper? Like, all of them are like, <laughs> you, j- Get yes, off my back, yes, you are your brother's keeper. <laughs> like, d- d- like, what are you doing? You know, and so I think we yeah. just, we come by this honestly. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and our culture is super helpful at not allowing us to be numb to ourselves or distant from ourselves. Right. It's not like Think- we have little things in our pockets that distract <laughs> right. us every moment right. and allow us not to live in the moment. Yeah. You know yes. that when when something's going on or I've got a quiet moment where I could actually reflect, it's not as if I have this little device that right. I could pick up and play Clash Royale. That, Are you that- telling me that my Linton discipline of binge watching Cougar Town is not helpful? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think you're doing land right. That's not. I'm asking. I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
Well, so, yeah, so God is so real, he most fully meets us where we really are. So mm-hmm. we have to become people who, uh, from a leadership perspective and also from a personal perspective, increasingly train ourselves and develop the habit of how to be present. Yes. Right? How to be present. For me, that means uh, I, I tend to, like, technology, uh, I'm, I'm a little like Kip from Napoleon Dynamite, I love technology. <laughs> Uh, I love yeah. technology more than La Fonda. Uh, and so I'm, I'm constantly, my, my disciplines are about disengaging from not being here and taking little trips to, you know, Twitter town mm-hmm. or Facebook village, mm-hmm. right? And being, <laughs> right. just being right here, right, right with, right where I'm at, yep. like personally, but also relationally. Yeah. Yeah, I find the same thing. I I uh, I find even having the phone in my pocket is a way of not being present. Like even if I don't check it and I hear a little buzz, that is for me a moment of disconnection where I'm like, oh, something else is happening. Probably what it is. Probably somebody liked one of your tweets. Probably fun. somebody. Yeah, like oh, this might be more interesting than mm. being here. This- Eating dinner in front of me with my family, (laughs) right? My daughter's melting down. I want somebody to like me, (laughs) right? Right? Oh, oh, look at this. These people appreciate me. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, guys, that's uh, that's probably enough for this episode. Um, We'll we'll be back uh, with the next episode. We talk about our next axiom, which is that God cares more about this than you do, and we'll talk about what that means uh, the next time. We'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this podcast community. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.